you're listening to Perfectly Scarred. This is the place where we are sharing our scars through various stories and testimonies. The mission of Perfectly Scarred is to encourage you to know that your scars matter and it is important to share with others so that they too can walk in freedom. So let's get to it. Welcome to another episode of Perfectly Scarred Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Nelson, and today I have Sister Michelle Maria Ass. She's going to have to fix that because I told her I was going to mess up her last name. I told her I was going to mess it up. But anyway, <laughs> I have Sister. Welcome to the, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> How you doing, Kayla? It is. I'm so happy to be here with you. And I'm not mad at you for my last name. It's all good. <laughs> I said, look, look, one thing about me, this country accent and me trying, yeah, it's just, yeah, we go with it. <laughs> um, but I'm excited to have Sister Michelle on and I'm thankful that she was able to join me today. Um, she recently shared her uh, testimony on Facebook and where I really saw that, but I know I saw it, and then I just reached out to her to see if she could join us in just sharing um, her testimony. Because I mean, wow, when like we we are in for a treat today. So, Sister Michelle, can you just uh, introduce yourself and give us a little bit of your background, where you're from, and everything like that? Of course, of course. Uh, like I said before, thank you so much for having me on here, and and I'm so excited. Um, so my name is Michelle, and the right way to say my last name is Ramirez. So you good, sis. You good. You were close. <laughs> I love it. Um, and just for the record, I love your accent. I think it's the cutest. <laughs> so I am originally from Costa Rica. I was born there. And so obviously I'm, you know, Latina, I'm Hispanic, and um, but I was raised in California. When I was five years old, my mom and my dad moved um, to California and that's where I was for many, many years of obviously my young life. And now um, I live in Fort Myers, Florida. So I've been in Florida for quite a long time um, and I love it. Florida is beautiful. Um, I always tell people I live where you vacation. So <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a really beautiful state. So yep. Starting ca- uh, Costa Rica, California, and now here, Florida. Yeah. Okay. So you, you're married, correct? Yes, I'm married. How long, how long have you been married? I've been married for 10 years. This September, we will be married 11. And I'm blessed to say I have a, a just a, a great man by my side. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Y'all are a beautiful couple, so. I, Thank you. Um, so today, I just, I just want to, uh, we're just going to get right into it and allow you to share um, your testimony. And so, uh, well, first, how long have you been a part of the movement, the apostolic movement? I have been apostolic for 20 years. So I came to truth when I was 19 years old. And um, a lot of people maybe listening is thinking, wow, you were so young. But I had already lived a lifetime. So yeah. I know God knew what he was doing when he brought me, um, you know, obviously to to, yeah, like you said, the movement to apostolic life. And since I got here, I've, I haven't looked back. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, okay. So with that, can you just uh, walk us through um, how you got involved in the gang life and, and what all uh, 
transpired in that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So like I said, you know, I was very young when my parents moved to California. They wanted obviously a better life, better opportunities um, and everything. So where we lived in California is the Bay Area, San Francisco. And my dad and my mom were young and they were trying to, you know, do what they needed to do. So I was raised very American, obviously, but raised, you know, you're very Americanized, but then you're raised in a very Hispanic home. So it was very, very strict. It was, you know, my dad was the man of the house and that's just how, you know, we rolled there. And because of just being so strict and everything, I just really just took my parents so for granted. And I never, I just, you know, just, I think sometimes so many children, so many kids, we grow up being so unappreciative and so disrespectful to our parents and not really realizing and seeing the bigger picture of the sacrifices that they've done for us Um, and seeing what, you know, they're trying to do to make a better life for their children. So, like I said, I was very ungrateful, very just crazy. So a lot of that pushed me out of the house. And um, that's how I got into this lifestyle because I wanted to rebel. I wanted freedom. I thought I was the smartest 14 year old and um, I was sadly mistaken. I made a lot of mistakes and um, fell into a a world that I was not ready for. And um, it was, it was, it made, it, it put a lot of lasting you know, uh, scars on me, but, you know, but God, you know, here I am. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, we live in a generation now that the, the kids are just as entitled, I would say. We live in a society of people that are just entitled. And I think as the generation, the younger generation now, they we just think that we're grown. We do. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the kids nowadays are more entitled. I mean, I remember like this is all many years ago, but kids now, I mean, they, they, it's just, they're wild. (laughs) Just say it like that. So um, I agree with you. Yes. Going into, so what age were you when you got into the game? I was 14. I was very young. Just walk us through that. You could just walk us through. Yeah, no problem. So what, so what happened is that because I was so ungrateful, um, I ran away from home at the age of 14. Um, I had obviously connections within um, California. So let me just move a little bit. Step. Let me just give you a little bit of the bigger picture so you understand like everything that transpired. So we were in California. My parents saw that I started getting into a lot of trouble. I, you know, had a short fuse. I liked to fight. I was doing all of them things. And so they took me away from California. We moved here to Florida. My dad got a job over here and I was upset about that. You know, I didn't like that. So that even like, you know, fueled the fire. So what happened is when, when, you know, one day I woke up and I told my parents, hey, I'm going to school because I walked to school and I jumped on a, on a plane and I left back to California. And I didn't see my parents till four years later. So when that happened, um, I went to San Francisco. I went back to all old friends. Um, and let me just interject that here. You know, you have to be so careful who your friends are because they will influence you, period. And I had these friends that were telling me things and I was believing crazy stuff. And, and you know, you know, just the fast life, the fun life that you don't need your parents. You don't need accountability. You don't need none of that. Going into California, going into all those bad friendships, um, I was introduced to this life because unfortunately, 
in California, in San Francisco, in the area that I was, if you didn't choose a side, um, you were you were going to be in trouble. You had to choose a side for protection because everyone over there had to choose a side. It's a war zone. It's an invisible war there. And it's, 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 it's crazy because when you really look at the bigger picture, it's the spirit realm that's moving, that's, that is fighting one, one with one another. But, um, but it was, you know, it's manifested in the physical, in these gangs and violence and everything that goes on there. So when that happened, I was 14 years old. I made the decision. Um, the way to be initiated to the gang is they had, there were several things and I chose to be beat up for 18 seconds by like 10 girls. And now that I look back, you know, I'm grown and I'm like, that was the stupidest thing I ever did in my life. But yeah. when you're 14 years old and that's all that matters to you, and especially that age, you're so impressionable and everything is such a big deal. Everything is, is so magnified, like magnified in your mind. Um, I felt that they were my family. I felt that they were my sisters. I felt that that was going to be my protection because I didn't want to get shot. I didn't want to get, you know, in trouble on the streets, especially with what I was doing. And um, I got beat up for 18 seconds and I was in bed for about a week healing. It was uh, crazy. They almost killed me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, they just went hard, huh? Like yeah. Saying. Yeah. And it's, 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 you got to think about the nonsense of it. After the 18 seconds, you prove that you're down. You prove that, okay, you're worthy of being in our, in our, in our gang, in our secret, little secret, like click, you know, this, it's just so funny to me when I think back on it, because it was just, you gave, you did what, and you let who do what to you for what, for what reason? And um, it was such a huge deal to me. I wanted to prove that, yeah, I'm going to be loyal to you guys and you guys will be loyal to me. Because in that kind of gang life, it's, it's brotherhood, it's, um, it's protection, it's basically a way of life. Nothing else matters but you and those people in that gang and what you're representing and what you're trying to do. So it's, um, in my opinion, it's just like a fake church. You know, because people want to feel like they belong. They want to feel like they belong to something and they give this false sense of hope of belonging and 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 having friendships and family. And it's completely it's such a facade, it's a facade of the enemy, facade of the world. Yeah. So 14 years old, like in your like, can you tell us like what was going through? I was so scary at, at 14. Like, I just don't think that I could have got on the plane. Like, what was going through your mind when you got mm-hmm. on the plane? You left for school and you just got on the plane and just left. Yeah. So what was going through my mind is um, I was just, I was just, when you have the wrong influences and the wrong voices that are yeah. coming to you, you will do the most craziest things. And I was just so, I didn't care about my family. I didn't care about my brother. I didn't care about nobody. I only cared about me. I was in a season that was so selfish. I wanted to do everything. I wanted to rebel. You know, it was a spirit of rebellion that was really at work in me to where I didn't care what anyone thought or felt or who I hurt because I just wanted to have fun and I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And having people that obviously were older than me, you know, from the gang life helping me, uh, shame on them, 
right? You would be, you would think that they'd be like, don't be a part of this life, stay in school, <laughs> but absolutely not. They were so deceived themselves that this was what they wanted to do. And um, I cried when the plane, you know, went up from Florida, I was in Tampa and I knew that, that I couldn't just be like, Hey, sir, can I get off? You know what I mean? Like I knew it was like, okay, you're going to this and you need to suck it up and you need to be brave. And um, I, I cried my eyes out, but you probably thinking like, Hey, what was the reason? What was the force? What was it? It was more than just rebellion. It was the influence of a man that I had fallen in love with. And in my testimony, um, I talked about in my testimony that I was a very insecure young girl and absolutely a target for a predator because of my insecurity. I was desperate for love, desperate for attention. And I met this man that said he loved me and I foolishly, foolishly believed him. And because of that, I went into a dysfunctional relationship and that dis that dysfunctional relationship, I was physically, mentally, and sexually abused by this man. He was much, much older than me. And um, I was just, um, love will make you do some crazy things. Love will make you um, run away from home, jump on a plane and go the other side of the United States and, and not talk to your family. So, you know, I made a lot of mistakes in the name of love because I thought that's what love was. And it was far from the truth. Yeah. I often yeah. say, like, it's a, a, a perverted love. Yes, ma'am. true love won't, do, won't allow that to happen. If, if people truly love you, they won't cause you any pain. Like, they won't cause you. There is a part of suffering because Jesus Christ, he suffered for us. And that, you know, we'll go through that. But it's an unconditional love that he has given us in that. Amen. And what the and always, you know, we we already know the enemy is going to pervert anything that God. So it's that perverted love that we see our young people face and we face. And it's mm -hmm. just like that love will make you look just crazy <laughs> because <laughs> you're trying to like you're going on a plane. And for me it was. I'm just in this toxic situation. It's just like, you're better than that. You're better than this. But because we have these insecurities, um, we allow what this, this, this facade or this, this, this false sense of security, I say, mm -hmm. um, in our insecurities. So wow, that's, that's so good. Well, very well. Said. Can you just... Um, I guess talk a little bit more about as far as your relationship and 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 how you see and the connection that you see young people, young women in their insecurities choosing outside, you know, sources, choosing men that are not of God and 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 just walk it through that. Walk us through that. Yeah. Absolutely. So because I have, I went through what I went through, I can spot a predator a mile away. And with that being said, you know, obviously been in the church for 20 years, been in church a long time. I know when men come in with wrong intentions into the church, 
you know, and I know when, and it's not like I judge or I profile. No, the Bible says, try the spirits. And the Bible says to have discernment. Not everyone mm-hmm. that comes in and says, Lord, Lord, they're of him. Right. And so, you know, I don't want you to think like, man, this girl, you know, she judging. No, it's not like that. But, you know, we have to be wise, you know, you know, watch and pray. The Bible says, and I have a big passion, you know, to help with women in my home church. I do help with our women ministry um, and it's powerful. Our director is an incredible woman of God. And we have seen so many young ladies, you know, come and, and God do great things in them. And every single time, you know, not just in, you know, not here, I'm not saying just in general, in my whole walk with God, the very first thing that the enemy will do to distract a young lady from the walk with God is a relationship. It's always a man. And what happens is that because you're not focused on God, that love, that love story that you have with God gets distorted and your attention gets put on this person. I tell young ladies all the time, you cannot love another human being. You cannot love or go into a marriage where first you have not a foundation of loving yourself and loving God because God is love. So you have to love God first. And then once you have that foundation of loving God, then you learn to love yourself and take care of yourself because there has to be value. You have to know that I'm worth more. Um, You know, the Bible talks about we're royalty. When we teach in our ladies Bible studies, I tell them you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When you know your value and you know your worth and, you know, you take care of that insecurity, you take care of all those things that are not right in your spirit as a woman. You can't take those things into marriage because it will manifest itself and you will make that man miserable, you know, because you're trying to have him fill you where only the Holy Ghost can fill and complete you. And you will be so upset and so, um, you know, just, you know, there will be constant conflict because you're trying to have him be God. And he's that's not the role that he's they're supposed to fill in your life. God has to be first. And I guess, I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm very passionate about that in teaching ladies that don't even think about a relationship until you have gotten some things taken care of between you and God. I call it the longitude latitude. You know, you see a cross, it goes up and down, right? The cross is up and then the cross is horizontal. The relationship with you and God is up and down. It's, you know, it's, it's vertical. That relationship has to be right first before that horizontal relationship is, is, is taken care of. How can you go into a relationship, friendships, marriage, whatever it is, whatever, until you have taken care of and dealt the insecurity and the love factor within you and your heart. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And I mean, that's good. That, That answered it. Yes. That's, that's really good. I think that a lot of times, and like you said, we, we often get distracted by relationships. That's one of the things. And we don't even realize that we, the time that we spend in communicating with this person or, you know, all that time that we spend, it, it takes us away from God. And so if we don't have the solid foundation with God, and then we bring in another relationship. Well, that is going to take take us away from God already because we're not right. spending the time that we need to spend with God. And that was one thing that God has had to kind of, you know, strip the idea for me until my foundation is secure and solid. 
You know, mm-hmm. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not worried about anybody. It's just me and God. We just here. This is where we are. And and it feels good not to have to have that, you know, just that pressure. Because it mm-hmm. is a we are we do feel pressure. And I'm not trying to go on a tangent here, but it's just it's we can honestly, I've seen just people just feel pressure to be in a relationship when you just got in church. Like you just yes. got in. <laughs> you, you got so much more to worry about other than just the relationship like we yeah I can go on and yeah. on to no and please do, please do because I think it needs to be said in these podcasts and I think what what's missing sometimes in 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 obviously the pastor does his job and everything and that's why I'm so passionate about um, bible study and ladies bible study is because you have to talk about real topics to real life people you know, yes. and, you know, you have to get real with people. You have to get in people's, not not get into, like, their life. But, you know, let's talk about these things. Like, for one, like, don't settle for less than what God has for you. Right. You know, and I, the enemy will always send a counterfeit before he sends the real thing. You know, mm-hmm. you have to pray for the will of God in your life. Pray, you know, maybe this guy that you're, or this gentleman, this brother that you're thinking about, maybe you know, saying I do to, maybe he isn't the will of God. Maybe, you know, your calling and his calling doesn't match. I think it takes spiritual maturity for a woman to really see and understand like, okay, when I say I do, this is a promise. This is a holy covenant. I am aligning my life to someone and we're going to work for the kingdom of God together. So right now when you're courting, this is where you need to be praying and, and everything. So what happens, women, we get all in our emotions, right? Because God made us that way. God made us emotional. And we get lost in the in the in the wedding and in the marriage and in our feelings, and I think that's that is why we should have a prayer life and why that love between you and God needs to be firm and concrete first because we have to have control of our emotions. They don't lead us; the Holy Ghost leads us. Whoa. okay, you preaching, Sister Michelle, all here today. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I, let me keep going, girl, because I will. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, I, I let it. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, but it, but let me tell you, whoever is listening, it is truth. It is truth. And I'm going to speak to whatever lady right now that is listening. Do not compromise on whoever you want to marry. And the reason I say that is because you do not want to be out of the divine order of God. You know, God has made man the head of the house. God forbid you compromise and you have to take that role. And now the roles in the home are reversed and you have to carry that man the rest of your walk with God. Ooh. That's what's up, sis. You know what I mean? And, and the reason why is I've seen it so many times. And you know what? Let me tell you, sis, it's better. It's better to wait. It's better to wait on the will of God. And you know what? And, and God forbid, if, if someone doesn't come, who cares? embrace the single single life and do what God has called you to do. So many women, and now I'm going to go on a tangent, but I got to say this. There's so many ladies that I see in the church, and I've been in church 20 years, that they're sitting down waiting for their ministry because they feel that, okay, well, when I'm married, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. I was not one of those ladies. I went ahead and jumped right into ministry when I was really young. I, I, I've been in um, Bible studies for so, so, so long that's my passion. And um, I, I want to say to whatever ladies that are listening, like, don't wait for that to define you, you know, do what God has told you to do. God has a ministry for you. 
you specifically, what God wants to do for you in your life. And then, yes, amen, if God does bring a man into your life, that is a companion to keep you accountable for you to live happily ever after. But that doesn't mean that it completes who you are. You have right. to first be complete in him. And if God does bring someone else in your life, then hallelujah, you know, and do what you need to do together. But um, while you're single, embrace the singleness, embrace that spirit of aloneness that sometimes you feel. It's just the call of God for you to pray, for you to fall in love with him. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot I can say about that, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to stop because oh, I think I'm going too much. <laughs> you, you're preaching because it is so, for me, I'm saying for me, I, I, mm -hmm. I can talk about it because it's just me. For mm -hmm. me, I... I I have been in a season to where, you know, the enemy wants to send distractions and he's tried and he's completely, he's tried. But at the same time, I, I have the maturity to say, you know, we don't align on this and I'm not, like you said, I'm not compromising because mm -hmm. I've worked so hard to be where I am today. And I'm not even where I feel like I should be people, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. even where I feel like I should be you know, to be honest, but I know that I had to start doing something because I had this mentality, like you said, where, oh, I, I have to wait on mm -hmm. a spouse. I had this in my head, like, I can't do anything. I can't, I can't get the, you know, get the, well, work was fine, but as far as ministry, I had to, I felt like I had to wait. I felt like I had to wait to buy the house. I felt like I had to wait to, you know, get the car. I felt like I was just, I was just waiting. And mm. then I just learned like, live, live Amen. your life. Just to whoever's listening, like live your life. Amen. Amen. And do what I God agree with I agree 100% with you, sis. The Bible says that he will, what does the scripture say? That life and that more abundantly, but yeah. it doesn't say, but you got to be married, right? right? The scripture don't say that, but he wants right. to bless you, you know, blessings upon blessings. But I feel that when you're, you're single, go on a mission trip, work in different areas in, in your church, ask your leadership, hey, how can I help? How can I get more involved? Read your word, you know, the more that you can. You know, you don't want to get to an age where you're 20, 30, 40, 50 years old and look back on your life and say, why did not I, why did I not do more? Why did I not give more? Why was I not more sold out, right? Because you don't want that. You don't want that kind of testimony. Be like, well, I'm 40 now and I'm just now starting what I need to do. And if you did, praise God, you know, that's just your, just, that's just your story. But the younger that yeah. you can start, the better because you know what we all need to reach this world and we all need to become become who god has called us to be um you said something so powerful just a minute ago and there's a thing called redemptive lift i don't know if you've ever heard of that before us that have been redeemed you know there is the the power of the holy ghost that comes inside of us is that lift it's that redemptive lift that is at work at us you know and when we are lifted that way it is inevitable it is that all of a sudden we shift our life that instead of us always being helped and always receiving help, we shift to help others. If the Holy Ghost is truly working in your life, the Holy Ghost is truly in you, there will be that redemptive lift and the fruit of it will be that you will want to multiply and duplicate what God has done in your life. And that's real. That's, that's, that's real right there. Uh, oh. 
I like that. I wrote that down. Because I, <laughs> I wrote that down. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so good, sister. So good. Okay. Thank so you. So we're going. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back. So okay. now you're in. So you're in this toxic relationship. Um, yes. How did you? How long were you in that situation? I was in this relationship for three years. Okay. So that was why you were in California. So was he in the game as well? Was he a part yes, of it? Yes, he was. Yes, he okay. was. So he's the one that got me really, you know, it just, you know, I think of the song, um, The Devil Thought He Had Me. You know, you know, The Devil Thought He Had Me. You know, that song. Sorry, I didn't mean to sing. Maybe you can edit that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's just, it was just the plan of the enemy to kill me. It was a plan of the enemy to wound me. It was a plan of the enemy to, to stop whatever God was trying to do in my life. And um, he used what I obviously, he used the right bait and I fell for it. And um, yeah. it, was the, it was the worst relationship in, I've ever had. Um, and, you know, it took me a really, really long time to forgive him. So real talk, right? Let's just be real. I, it was filled with the Holy Ghost in church. I really had to pray that God would help me forgive him. But I remember the day, I remember the time when I was in the prayer room where I was telling him, I was telling God, I'm like, God, help me forgive him. And I remember something lifted in me. You know, how do you forgive people that have hurt you so much, that have damaged you so much? It's only the Holy Ghost. Right. It's only God that can help you release that. And if I would ever see him again, like in my present life, I would only wish for him to be saved. You know, he has been completely forgiven. Ooh. I'm going through thinking uh, that you done forgave this person and then you see their name or you see them in person. And it's just like, oh, no, there's mm-hmm. this stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I truly believe that you have not forgiven if you see that person and you still feel some type of way, if you feel that praying in you, or if you feel that, that kind of thing in your, in your heart. And, um, you know, we're flesh, let's just be honest, we're flesh and things are hard. And when people hurt us, it does make a difference. It does make a wound in our spirits and our heart, especially women. Um, you know, women, we just, we're crazy. We're catty sometimes and petting it and pettiness is real. And, I teach that in ladies Bible study, like we got to get over that, you know, we have to have the fruit of the spirit, we have to overcome um, certain things. And um, when women realize the power that can happen when we're united, it's, right. it's incredible, especially in the church. Um, so, so how, um, how did you remove yourself from that situation, that relationship? Like, what was the breaking point? So the breaking point was, um, it was, it was, oh, sis, it was so toxic. And um, what ended up happening is in this relationship, you know, he was very physically abusive to me. He was an alcoholic and a drug addict as well. And so whenever he would drink, um, when I tell you fear is real, sis, I lived Mm -hmm. in constant fear for my life because of the lifestyle I, I lived. And I lived in fear because of this relationship. And um, whenever he would drink, which was almost every day, he would drink and um, he would get angry. He was one of those angry drunks and he just thought it was okay to just, you know, whatever. 
there was one um, specific night that um, that happened um, where he had came home very drunk and I was like, oh my goodness. But days prior, you know, when he wasn't um, intoxicated, we had went out and baseball is really big in San Francisco. And it was like the Giants and the A's and it was, um, those are basketball, or excuse me, baseball uh, teams. He bought a miniature little bat and for the team that he liked and he's like oh this is cool this, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this and I was like okay and I remember when we were on our way home something told me hide it and I'm like I, I didn't know something told me to hide it and that night now fast forward to that night where we got into an argument over the stupidest thing and he just you know he just wanted to just you know just hurt me he said I'm gonna go find that bat and I'm gonna kill you mm-hmm. and I remember thinking I'm, I was so thankful that I hit it because I really believe that he would have taken that bat and he probably would have beat me over the head with it and killed me. So that night, I, I, you know, we, obviously there was a struggle we had, we were fighting and everything. And I was, I, because he was so intoxicated, I was able to get out of his grip, you know, and he's, you know, he's big and I was able to get out of his grip. And I remember just thinking, run run for run for run for the door get yourself out of there and um because i was so worried that if you would find the 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 if you would find the bat it was over for me i re- i got to the door he ended up like he got me and there was another struggle at the door and i ended up getting out of the door and i remember sis i ran and i ran and i ran and i ran i heard him screaming behind me you know i ran for my life that night and I ran and I ran and I ran. I had no idea that I had blood all over my clothes because I just knew that I just needed to run. I ended up going and I hid into in an old um, laundromat that was in the neighborhood that we were. And I, I went there was and I sat there till 3 a.m. And, and I hid because I didn't want him to find me. And I ended up getting up and, you know, you got to think about in those days, there's no cell phone, no social media. Things are different, right? You got to use either a pay phone or just go to someone's house, right? So I ended up yeah. going to a friend's house and I said, hey, um, when she opened the door, she was like, oh my goodness, what's wrong? What happened? She thought I was hurt, like she, that I need to go to the hospital. I'm like, no, I'm fine. I just need to hide. So um, so I ended, up, um, I ended up staying at her house and he ended up coming to that house that next morning, banging on the door, looking for me. And my friend opened the door and she was like, hey, what's up? He's like, is Michelle here? And she's like, no, you know, she lied for me. So I ended up hiding under the bed. And I remember I overheard him on the phone talking to people like, I can't find Michelle. She's she's doing this again and everything, basically changing the story and making him look like the good guy, like I'm the crazy one. When I tell you dysfunctional and toxic, sis, it was just crazy. And I saw his feet when he walked in the bedroom because I was hiding under the bed. And I said, oh my God, don't look under the bed because he would find me. And he didn't, he went back into the living room. He's like, and he told my friend, okay, bye, see you later. And then that night he got into a big fight and he got arrested and deported to Mexico. And that was my way out. So a few days later, I um, talked to him over the phone and he was threatening me. He's like, wait till I get there, wait till I get there, you know, this, this and that and threatening me. And I remember that overpowering, something overpowered me. And I said, no you're not going to treat me this way anymore. I was like, this is the last time you ever talked to me. And I hung up the phone. And ever since then, 
I have, I haven't seen him. And that was the end of that relationship. And, um, but can I say on my own, I could have gone out of there? No. Domestic violence victims stay because they don't realize, they don't know that. I mean, there's so much I can say about the domestic violence part of it. You know, first of all, they mentally break you down before they start physically um, beating you. And um, I was in, I was, it was just the, it was just God intervening to get him out of my life because I don't think I would have had the mind or the willpower to leave because he had broken me down. I, my self-esteem was nothing. So. And I think I was talking to some other guest because I, she was in a domestic violence uh, relationship. She was in, and she talked about how the Lord intervened and, you know, for her on her behalf. And I, and I think when, well, I know even for me, how God, even when I rejected him, he still protected me. Amen. Yes. And, you know, and he does that for us. And the fact that he, he, he does, he did that for you. is such a beautiful story and to see how your life is now, to see what you do for the women that you come in contact with, to see what you do for the community that you serve. Like he, when you talk about how, <laughs> I'm getting just teary-eyed because how much God loves us. Amen. Like we, people really don't understand how much God loves us. Yes. And it's just like, when you sit back and you think like, man, God saved me from this. He saved me from that. He protected me from that. He, my mind, because how many women, you know, have been through those situations and their mind, they're just not right anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just how, how much God loves us and knows truly that we have a purpose here on this earth, that he gave us, that he gave us that purpose. And yes. by his strength, you know, we were able to make it out of those situations that we faced. Absolutely. Man, God is good. I agree with you. It was only the hand of God. And at that time, I didn't, you know, we, we don't realize the things that we went through in our life. When we get older and we, we look back, we see the hand of God. And you're right. And, and while you were getting teary-eyed, I was too, because you know, God loved me before I even knew him. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says that no man cometh unto God unless the spirit of God draws him, you know? And he was working on me. He was working things all out for me to come to him. But he knew that I couldn't come to him because my God was this man, right? Yeah. So he had to take these things out. He had to, you know, and I'll, I'll be real with you. I'm, I was really hard-headed. I was stubborn. And Sometimes we don't realize the hard things that are happening in our life is to just get that stubbornness out of us, to get that hard-headedness out of us, to humble us and for us to be able to get to an altar and say, you know, God, I, I'm nothing without you. I mean, that's that's my story. And what I just was telling you, I mean, it's it's my story, sis, but it's it's for God's glory, 100%. Um, I think... Can you just share how how you got into church? Because I think you added that on your testimony, if I'm mm -hmm. not mistaken. Um, mm -hmm. So you go back, so you get out this relationship and you go back to where your parents are. You move back to Florida. 
No, I didn't. So remember I said I was stubborn. (laughs) So I, yeah, (laughs) I'm laughing because it's just like, oh my goodness. You know, I did a lot of, a lot of mistakes, a lot of crazy stuff. So you would think, right. That'd be like, okay, girl, (laughs) go back home to your parents. You know, you're, you're just out of control. No, I stayed in California and, um, I had all the money I I needed. I had all the drugs I needed. I had the protection. I had the gang. I had everything. So what happened is that I I I went out of control, and I got into a crazy party life. I got I started doing more crazy drugs and all this kind of stuff. And because he wasn't there, I don't know. I just I just went crazy. And because I went crazy, there was that's how I ended up getting so addicted to drugs. And oh. because I was trying to fill that wound and the void, you know what I'm saying? The, that, that he had left me and of course just life in general. Um, but there was so many wounds. I was just, I was just so broken because I yeah. said, if someone loves me, how can they do this to me? I must yeah. not matter. I must not be worth anything. And I truly believed it. So I filled it with drugs and I filled it with, you know, X, Y, Z you can think about. And I still was left. So just, just, I just, I hated myself. I hated life. I hated, you know, that I was where I was and that the choices that I made. And um, because of my consequences and my actions, you know, there was so much stuff that started avalanching on me. You know, you hear the, the saying that says a sin will take you farther than you want to go. And that was so true for me um, because of all the crazy stuff. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be real with you, like in that lifestyle, I was in those cars where we did drive-bys and hurt people. Guns were were fired, shots were fired. And, you know, you're living in this crazy fantasy life and this adrenaline rush of thing, not thinking that there's consequences, there's people's lives, people are gonna be hurt. And and I just was, I didn't care. I just wanted to numb the pain. And I just was just running, running, running from sun up, sun down, doing stuff, gang banging, doing things in the name of this gang, which um, I don't even think we had mentioned it, but I was part of 18 Street Crips um, in San Francisco. You know, we we wore the color oh, blue. I meant, to ask you, I meant to ask you because the girls, mm-hmm. they were 18 girls. So I was like, mm-hmm. but I, I, I missed it I, mm-hmm. <laughs> because I was like, that must have something to do with the name. Because yeah. I was like, 18 is an odd number. I mean, it's just yeah. different. Like, it is different. Yeah. So yeah, it was 18th street and um, yeah, I mean, just the crazy stuff. So that happened. Right. And, and I ended up getting arrested and you, I think you saw this on my, um, on my, yeah. on my testimony, I got arrested and because I was with a friend, once again, you are who your friends are, right. He, he was trespassing and we were robbing this really, I mean, there's really beautiful homes in California, robbing this home because he wanted to go sell it. So he can go, yeah, you know, go get high and smoke crack. So, you know, of course I was there and I wanted to go do whatever. We got arrested and I remember, you know, going into the police station handcuffed and they handcuffed me into a chair. When I think back on it, I think they were just trying to scare me, you know, because they're like, oh, this young girl, let's just handcuff her for a couple hours. You know, maybe she'll like, you know, get better. But um, my my high wore off and I, 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 I got really hungry. And I remember asking, and this is something I will never forget in my life, sis, I looked at one of the policemen and I said, hey, can I have a slice of pizza? Because they were eating right in front of me. And I remember him looking at me with such disgust and saying to me, he's like, he's like, no, we don't feed dogs around here. Mm. 
And I remember thinking, sis, like, what I already had thought in this man, all the damage he did, here's a policeman confirming. I'm nothing. The feelings of worthlessness is real. Yeah. And I, 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 I didn't even answer. And I just was like, okay, wow. You know, and so I believed the lie that I wasn't anything. So I, my, my uncle came and he bailed me out and I did whatever. And I ended up walking and, you know, I was walking in the side while walking home. And this is the pivotal point that I'm getting to that what made me move back to Florida, back to my family. I saw one of, um, one of our um, people in our gang and he was a troublemaker straight up. And he was doing a lot of crazy stuff to get himself in trouble. And he had already had been um, shot at, you know, been in the hospital, got, he still lived miraculously, but he didn't change his behavior. He was still out there doing all this crazy stuff. I remember seeing from afar and he waved at me. He's like, hey. And I saw, and I looked to my, to my left, we saw a car come and it was the rival gang. And they came and bam, 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 bam. I saw my friend, he was probably 10 feet away from me. I saw gunshots go right through his head and I saw his brain splatter right there on the building. I fell to the ground because I didn't want to get shot, but I remember him dying in such a violent way right in front of me. And fear once again came upon me and I said to myself, let them not see me because they'll come out of the car and they'll finish me and they'll kill me. And um, miraculously, like we were just talking about a little while, a little while ago, they, they didn't see me and they ended up leaving. And when I saw him dead right there, right in front of me, I started running again, sis. I ran, I ran, I ran, I ran, I ran because I was so scared that they were going to find me. And I was so scared that they were going to kill me. I ran in where I used to live. I ended up, I remember I was sitting down in like a garage port, like in the very top, you have all the buildings. And underneath the garage port, I was just sitting down and I was just like crying my eyes out. And I was just saying, what am I doing? You know, soberty, you know, a sober moments came to me and I said, what am I doing? You know, 17 years old, I was on the streets being crazy, doing all this stuff. And then I saw this happen. It's just, I, I had an aha moment. Then I had a friend come and visit me and um, give me a call and said, hey, they're looking for you. Because what happened is the rival gang and the gang that I was involved in found out that I saw and witnessed that 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 happened. And something happened that they thought I had something to do with it. So a hit was put on my head. So here I am fleeing for my life for this rival gang. And now the people that I was supposed to be my family, my brothers, my sisters, and they wanted now and they were seeking to kill me as well. So here I am. So I ran to payphone, called my parents. They bought me a plane ticket. I ended up going to the, um, I ended up going to the air, air, uh, San Francisco airport, and I stayed there like all night in a bathroom because I was so scared they were gonna find me. And I said, you know what, in the airport, I'm like the most like safe there, you know. And I was just, I was just there. I was watching. I was looking behind my back, and I ended up getting so, so, so high. I, I ended up sniffing so much cocaine up my nose before I flew back to San flew back to, uh, to, excuse me, to Florida, because I just could not believe I'm like, well, if I'm going to die, and if they find me, let me not feel it. Like I was just under so much fear and under so much pain, came back to Florida. And then here you would think sis, that I would get my life together, right? No, I ended up going into more drugs. I ended up partying like crazy. 
in Tampa, Florida, they have a lot of, um, you know, clubs and a lot of different things. Ended up experimenting with more drugs, with ecstasy, with um, acid. And I was trying to fill a void and pain and um, feel, filling a void that, um, that I was, that I didn't mean anything, that I was nothing. Because so many people hated me. They didn't care for me. So let's fast forward to your question. And I, I apologize. I, I think I had to explain a little bit of that to kind of explain the next thing I'm going to oh, tell yeah. you. So when I came to the church, a really good friend of mine invited me. He was my neighbor. And I remember walking into um, an apostolic church for the first time. I've never known of what the Holy Ghost was. I never knew what church was. We were raised I was raised um, Catholic, but that only meant we went to church once a year. So I did not, I was not raised in a godly home. I, we had never talked about God, nothing. So everything was very foreign to me. It was new. I walked in and my very first thought was like, man, these people have lost their mind. <laughs> and I was like, I was so shocked on people lifting their hands and people crying and jumping up and down and rejoicing. I have never in my life seen that in church. Yeah. I've seen that kind of worship in the world. And where I've seen that in my testimony, I talk about that, you know, I was part of a, a party that was called, you know, with the house music movement in San Francisco, the underground raves that they would do, they would play. And when people were under, when they were hallucinating and under the, under that, I, I got call them spirits, you know, every, every drug is a spirit under that, under the, you know, the influence of that drug, they would, they would dance the same way, you know what I'm saying? They would do the same kind of behaviors and everything. So when I came to the church, I was like, whoa, they're doing this to God. But I've seen where people did that kind of like, you know, that kind of like dancing and everything like that for the world. And it was a real big eye opener for me. Um, on things because I had never known of the of God and never known of I mean I knew God was real but that's it you know period um, so I ended up getting into Bible study I did something it's called friendship groups um, it's kind of like a cell group kind of thing um, and that was good because I wasn't like hardcore about to be all up in church you know I was just kind of like feeling it out and the only reason I went was because I was so bored I had nothing to do my parents moved out of um, a big city here in Florida into a really small area and there was nothing to do. And I went to church and, um, and I remember the one service that I came after having a few Bible studies. Cause I'm like, okay, whatever. I remember the very first time I felt the presence of God. And I remember sitting in the back of the church and all these voices in my mind, in my head saying, the same things, you know, you're worthless, you don't matter, you tried everything, you you have these adrenaline rush, you have drugs and everything, and you're still, you're still empty. And I was always like, I had been programmed to be really hard and to, you know, have like a mean face and everything and never to cry, never show weakness, never show that you're vulnerable. And I got so emotional and I, and I was feeling, you know, I was, it was God working in me. And I remember saying, you know what? I'm back here. No one's going to see me. I'm just going to just put my head down. And I couldn't stop crying because I heard the voice of God. I didn't know it was God, but I heard God speak to me and say, why not try me? Yeah. 
And I said, I didn't know, I didn't know how to respond. So I just was just crying and crying and crying. And obviously people came and prayed with me. So I said, okay. And I went into this whole, um, I went into this whole uh, journey and here we are 20 years later. But I think the part that you're really wanting me to talk about is when I received the Holy Ghost, right? Yeah. Yes, all of it. it it's all, all of it. Good. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. You're so sweet. So yeah. So okay. I'm in it, doing Bible studies, learning stuff. You know, what I'm saying. You know, you come out of the world and you're coming in the church and you're just trying it out. Like I just thought, okay, I'm gonna do this. It wasn't something that I was gonna be like, okay, I'm just gonna go all in. But when I had that encounter and I was crying and I, God, it was God that spoke to me. Try me. I said, you know what? I went hardcore for the world. I'm going to go hardcore for this and see if it's real. Let me see if this is real. And if it's not deuces, I'm out. You know, like I wasn't going to play around. I'm not going to waste my time because that's one of those people. I'm one of those people that I'm just going to always be. I'm always going to keep it real. And I'm like, okay. So I ended up doing all these Bible studies and, you know, blew my mind. I was like, wow. And then when I heard that when you repent, that old man dies. And when I heard about baptism, that you can bury that old man. That intrigued me because I had hurt a lot of people, Kayla. I had done a lot of hurt to people. And I, the guilt that I had in my, in my, on my shoulders, in my mind, was weighing me so down. And I said, if I can get this lifted from me, if this is real, if this is really real, I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. So I got Bible study. I ended up repenting. I repented. It wasn't like one service. I repented for like a week. I got really real with God. I got really real with myself. And I wasn't working at the time. Like, you know, I was living with my parents and I went to the church and I was, I would, I would like, my goodness, I would be there for, you know, a few hours. There was one time I was there for like four hours and I was just crying, crying and telling God to forgive me. And just the Bible says, cast your cares upon him, right? Yeah. Just telling him everything, everything that hurt me, everything that happened, everything. I just wanted to lay him out there in case you didn't see God. Here it is. You know, like I was just telling him. And then once I was ready, I told my Bible study teacher and I got baptized. I remember when I got baptized, it was, um, I didn't get the Holy Ghost when I got baptized, but the weight of the world had lifted on me. And I believe the word of God, the Bible says that, you know, that all things are passed away and that I buried that old man and that, you know, it's a watery grave and that old Michelle was buried. And here I am. The Bible says we come up in newness of life. And um, so I was seeking the Holy Ghost and it took me forever. It took me, I got baptized August 19th of 2021. And I didn't get the Holy Ghost till September 30th. So I, I didn't understand like how to yield to it and everything. So, but the day that God filled me with the Holy Ghost was something so supernatural that happened to me. I saw for the spirit. I, you know, I was, you know, God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And when he filled me with the Holy Ghost, sis, it was the most supernatural and the most incredible thing that happened to me. I tell people, I was like, if you don't know what, what the what the Holy Ghost is, you're missing out. It is the most incredible experience that you will ever experience in your life. It is God's spirit coming inside of you. When God filled me with the Holy Ghost, amen, I was saved. But he did something so much more powerful than that. He delivered me instantly from yeah. drug addiction when he filled me with the Holy Ghost. Every chain of addiction broke 
and burned off of me when I received God's spirit. I had no desire to get drunk anymore. I had no desire to do drugs anymore. I had no desire for this world. I had found what I had been looking for, what I was looking for in that broken relationship, what I was looking for in this game, what I was looking for in friendships and in people and everywhere that I went, where I was looking for in the streets. I finally realized that everything, my whole life, my whole journey, everything that you've seen on Facebook and so much more that people don't know, that my journey was I was always looking for him. And when I found him, it blew my mind. And I'm sorry to get so emotional, but it is the power of God that came into my life and changed this person, this no one that no one wanted. And he saved me because he loved me. Yeah. Loved me before I even knew him and died for me before he. And I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost, thankful for God, filled me with the Holy Ghost, delivered me instantly. And it's been 20 years since, and I have not looked back. Can I tell you, have I been perfect? No. In the 20 years, I've had ups and downs and I've had times of discouragement. Absolutely. But I cannot deny the supernatural encounter that I received with God when he filled me with his spirit. When people ask me, is God real? Yes. How do I know? Because he did it in my life. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. And I'm here to tell you, that's what I'm doing. And thank you for this podcast, because I want to tell everybody out there that you want deliverance. It is the Holy Ghost. That's the only thing that can help you. I went to no rehab. I went to no program. I did nothing. It was the power of God that delivered me instantly. I yes. thank God. Amen. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, I need a moment. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we were just talking about relationships, you know, in the beginning of this podcast. And now we're talking about, obviously, my testimony. It is a love story between you and God. If you fall in love with him, you realize that he's always been wanting all your attention. He is, he's one of those, he's one of those, uh, he's a, Bible says he's a jealous God. He wants all of you, not part of you, you know, so What's so powerful, I think of the, the story of in the book of Hosea and Gomer, if you know that story about how he married, you know, he married the prostitute and everything. But even though everything after every, everything that she did and, you know, her obviously her actions led her to slavery where she was and now she was being sold off. He loved her enough to come and said, I will buy her back. And that's what God did for us. We didn't deserve it. But he paid the ultimate price for us. And I look at it like that because you know what? You know, God did this for me. Um, I mean, I can go on and on says, I'm sorry. You know, I don't want to be all like, let me just preach, you know, or anything. But it is when you have that understanding that this is not something you do, that this becomes your life. It changes the whole thing. Yes. It changes everything. (laughs) And I wish even even people that I've been in church with, it's like this is not just some, like you said. This is just not 
something that I do on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And this is all that I am. This is all that I have. Amen. That's it. That's it. It's not another option. And I think when we come from a, a, a background like you, what you came from and even what I came out of, what he delivered me out of, I recognize like he didn't have to do what he did. And I'm not going to go have, I'm not going to be lazy and I'm not going to be lukewarm because I understand what he brought me from. Right. I understand his love for me. And I'm just not going to play this game with him like I see so many people doing. And it's like, our God died for us. Like he, he died for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you just do any kind of study on the crucifixion, if you do any kind of like in-depth study about what oh. God endured, I mean, if that doesn't get you to, to repent or to cry, you're a robot. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. Like, and you know what's so crazy says when you see that, when you see your brother, your sister within the church and they've grown cold or they've gone lukewarm, what it is, is they've forgotten. They've forgotten, mm-hmm. you know, what God has done for them. And when you see those kind of needs in the church, I see them too as well. You know, the most powerful thing you can do is pray, yeah. you know, pray and then lead by example. I never, never wanted to be one of those people like, oh, I've been in the church 20, 30, 40 years and I'm just sitting in the back clapping. You know, no, I want to be in the front with all the young people. <laughs> I actually have a really funny story about that. You know, like, but I won't say it, but maybe for another time. But yeah, I want to be with all the 15, 16 year olds jumping up and down. You know, sometimes I can't keep, I can't hang with them because I'm older, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I want to be right in it. <laughs> you know, I want to be in the fire because I, yeah. I mean... I overcame in fire. So how can I endure? You got to endure with fire. You overcame, you have to endure. And what's going to keep you is you have to have the fire. You have to have the spirit of God working in you. You can't just receive and be like, oh yeah, 10 years ago, God did something miraculous in me or 20 years ago, whatever. You have to be responsible. The Bible says, seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you know, for you to be able to be responsible for your spiritual life. You know, it does its upkeep, its discipline, it's learning to grow and it's learning to mature spiritually and know, like, I'm not going to do things that I used to do 20 years ago and think that I can overcome now. No, we have to grow from glory to glory. You yeah. Know, in Jesus name. Yeah. Hey, Amen. <sighs> this has been good. Let me. <laughs> okay. And I, I think I got one more. I got one more question. Okay. Why, what do you believe? And I, I, well, let me say this. I got two more questions. Okay. Why did it take you so long to come forth? Because I remember us talking about it on the phone. Um, what what was that in, in telling your testimony and sharing it into this, in this manner that you did? The, so there's a lot of layers to that and I'll explain, is that even being in church, I mean, you obviously know what I came from. Even just being in church, overcoming whatever came, obviously those things. Um, I still was under a spirit of fear. Even though I was under the fear of the world, fear of, you know, the enemy, even in the church, I didn't feel I was good enough. I still didn't feel that I didn't measure up. 
I wasn't raised in church and I didn't have this or I didn't have that. So I, so I went from fear to this fear, then to this fear. Right. And I stayed within that spirit of fear for years, sis, years. And I limited myself. I, I didn't seize opportunities that came my way because I literally had low self-esteem. I did not think that I was worth it. Like, why? Who cares? And I was so embarrassed and ashamed of everything that I had went through. And I just wanted to bury that, how I was buried in baptism and for, for it to never be risen again. When I got saved, obviously, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, there was no such thing as social media at that time. I think like Facebook was created, what, like 10 years ago or 15 years ago or whatever. I don't know. I don't care. But anyways, you know, social media wasn't around then. So I didn't that there wasn't that and it didn't really cross my mind. And then for many years, I I didn't want to come off as, hey, look at me. I'm you know, I don't want to come off as prideful. I never wanted to come off as me taking taking the credit for it. This is my story for God's glory, period. So from God was just dealing with me. I mean, he was really working me over sis. And it was like almost every service, God was like, you need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And I'm like, okay, God, okay, God, okay, God. And here I am like months later, I'm still not doing it. Right. It's just like, why are you so disobedient? Do it. (laughs) And um, I was just wrestling because I was embarrassed and I was wrestling because I, I was, I was scared. I'm going to be very vulnerable and tell you. I was scared. I mean, you're in church for so long. And and that's the thing that um, I'm very thankful for my church where I go to. I go to the Rock Church of Fort Myers. My pastor is Randy Williams. He's our bishop. He's a tremendous leader. Under his ministry, I have grown tremendously and beca- have become, and like we were just talking about that redemptive live, been able to become who God has called me to be. You are a product of your environment. And if you if the, the environment is right, there will be growth in your life. Right. And with with my my church, my my you know, obviously the environment and obviously the Holy Ghost God working in me, I was delivered from a spirit of fear once again, years already in the church. It's like, you know what, just because you were delivered once doesn't mean that God doesn't that God doesn't do it again. He right. will do it again and again and again. I was delivered from another spirit of fear. And I finally believed maybe God can use me. And I believed, you know what, maybe I do have some worth. And I believe that, you know what, I'm not too old, you know, that God can still do something great in me and use my misfortunes, use my pain to help others. And it was a, it was a a change of perspective, a change of mind It was just, I I had to let God work on me and I, it was basically just overcoming fear. So that's, that's the, that's the, that's the answer. Yeah. Well, I mean, I ask that because so many of us, we struggle, I think having that same mindset, which is why I even, why perfectly scarred is even birth, you know, because (laughs) we, we suppress it when it go, when we come up at that water, Yes. Nothing else to do with it. And we want to, but we don't really understand the impact. Like I can't avoid 
the things that I've been like, I, I can't avoid my, my truth. That is my truth. That is what God right. delivered me from. And I think it's so important that we just be relatable to people because they see you now and you're absolutely beautiful and they see, your, they see your long hair and they see like you, your attire, they see all of this, but they don't, they don't see if we don't tell them. Right. Amen. You know, because we give them this false hope and there's such a, when people, when even women, when they, in the world, when they see us, when we go into the jails and they see us as women, it's like, I can't do that. You know, that's a real thing. Like, I can't, no, I can't do that. And it's like, no, but if you knew the love of God, yes. if you knew how much he loved you, if we talk about lo his love and what his love has uh, brought me out of, then you wouldn't be so quick to just shut me down just because you see me on the outside. And that's why I perfectly started here is because I wanted people to be able to share their scars in a safe place where they're not being judged. Like, we we understand it's in the blood, it's covered by the blood. We we don't live by that. Mm -hmm. Amen. But it's a re it's being relatable to the one who may be in that same place that we once were. And right. you just gotta understand this as believers, like don't 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 be ashamed of what God brought you through. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You know, the scripture that I shared. Um, on my testimony is Psalms 40 and two, it says that he, you know, it, the Bible says that he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings and kind of to, to say, or to continue a little bit what you were saying, when we become relatable to people, it's powerful. People come in the church and they think that, oh, these are all a bunch of goody two shoes. But let me tell you what the Lord has done for me, right? And so many times, sis, so many times people will be so un uninterested in Bible study. And all of a sudden I tell them parts of my testimony immediately, all attention is on me. So I use that influence for him to win people to God. The Bible says that we become what? Fishers of men. You know, he that win his soul is wise, right? So what yeah. God has done for me, I got to do for others. And what, what is the most powerful thing people sometimes think is their gifting or their talent? No, the most powerful thing you have against the enemy is your testimony. And that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing, sis. And that's what I'm doing. I'm tired of the enemy telling me you can't and you won't. So that's why that was posted on social media, because he, I will not bow to fear anymore. And I'm going to do what God has called me to do and become the woman of God that he's called me to be. Amen. I'm here for it. Yes, I'm girl. Yes. <laughs> we all are. We yes. all are. Oh, thank you. Well, you just answered my, my next question. I, my last question was, how has your testimony impacted where you serve, I think? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I said a little bit, um, but to, to kind of speak a little bit more on that, my husband and I in our home church, we serve as Bible study directors. Um, so we do, uh, we oversee and work with uh, gifted leaders in our church um, for Bible study. So we have men's Bible study, ladies Bible study, uh, kids uh, Bible study and then adult teens Bible study and um, we have obviously leaders that lead those groups 
And thankful to say on a weekly basis, we have about 100, 125 Bible studies within these group Bible studies happening. And that's not including like individual Bible studies. So we teach people how to become Bible study teachers. And when I would tell you 20 years ago, but I thought I would be doing something like this, sis, I would tell you, you're absolutely crazy. Because I would never have the courage enough to be able to stand in front of people and much less tell them what the word of God says and how to teach it to a new convert or how to teach it to someone that doesn't know God. But to God be the glory, right? I'm, I'm so thankful. But I would say the way it, it, it has most impacted my ministry is, um, is it has given me, helped me to people's, like we would just said, they see me and they would never think. But it's, it's open doors. And that, that's, that's it. It has opened doors for me to tell people who God is. And mm-hmm. to tell people how they can find him and be saved. And at the end of the day, that's all I want. I want people, when they see me, I want them to see him. And yeah. I tell people all the time, hey, any good you see in me, any good? I tell people all the time, you're going to ask all my friends around here in Fort Myers, it's him. Because I know, you know my story. I know that without him, um, I would have died a long time ago yeah. if it wasn't for God. I'll tell you this, when I was in church two years, I, um, I started going to uh, school and started trying to get my GED. And I went and watching a documentary on methamphetamine. And um, obviously that's a drug called meth. I've never done any of that, thank God. That was after I got saved, after I got into the church. And um, you know, I had to do uh, a documentary like on heroin and methamphetamine. It was from some elective that I had to do for my school where I was going. And so I was intrigued and everything. And I remember watching this documentary and God spoke to me so powerfully. And he said to me, if I would not have saved you when I did, you would have died a heroin addict. And that I remember being in my room on, in my desk and I fell to, I fell to my knees and I ended up like just having a prayer meeting right there. You would have died a heroin addict before the age of 30. And um, when I tell you that there's so many times that I could have died, it's just, it is God that has saved my life. It's just crazy. God is so good. But yeah, um, my ministry here is, you know, I, I, I serve sis. And however else I can help people, encourage people to become more, that's just what I want to do. And I'm blessed to do it. It's an honor. Yes. Well, I have enjoyed this conversation. I I, I just want to thank you for sh- sharing and, and joining me um, because I know it's going to bless so many, so many people, so many. I said so many, Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to say thank you to you. Thank you so much for the invite. Thank you for reaching out to me. It was this was my pleasure and my honor. And I will pray with you. I want this to bless whoever listens and um, to help them because that's, that's what we we're supposed to do, right? For the body we're supposed to do for our brothers and sisters is, um, is to help iron sharpeneth iron, right? To be able to, in some way they can be inspired to do more or, or whatever it is. Then um, we did, we did what God wanted us to do. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this. You're a lot of fun. I appreciate you. <laughs> Thank you. I try. Yes. I try. Where can the people find you? Are where? Just, just let us know where they can find you, so they can. Okay. Because so, if you're on social media on Facebook, obviously my name is Michelle Ramirez. 
um, you know, you can find me on there. If you are on Instagram, my name is Shell Ramirez. That's C-H-E-L-L, my last name, Ramirez. And then I also have a ministry page for my um, my Bible study and my Bible study uh, page. So that's T-R-C underscore casting the net. And on there, we have tips and um, encouragement, a whole bunch of uh, uh, just a lot of uh, Bible study Bible study content to help you become a better Bible study teacher. So give me a follow. I follow back. So I love to connect with new people. So, you know, that would be great. That'd be awesome. Yes, yes. And again, thank you. And oh, this is a blessing to talk to you. I'm inspired. So I know others are going to be inspired. So amen. Amen. It was a blessing talking to you, sis. Thank you so much.